It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN, a Friday edition. Always our favorites on this Friday morning. Hope you're doing well. Scott Foster in here with you. I am joined by a bunch of award winners today as uh, they come off the Nebraska Broadcasters Association. Jason Jorgensen, Bob Brogan, and Susan Susan Littlefield all with us. And uh, thank you so much, everyone, for gracing our presence. How are you doing today, Susan? Hey, I'm doing great. Anytime I can be spending time with adorable dairy cattle and calves, it's a good day. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, where, where are you at? Well, I am at Summit Calf Ranch, which is located just outside of Rising City. They've got 25-plus folks in the dairy industry that are here today getting a chance to tour the facilities and learn more about raising uh, calves. So it's been a great morning so far, a lot of information. And like I said, anytime you can be around the smells of dairy cattle, it's a good day. If you say so. If you say so. What do you got for us today? Well, we're going to start out at 1219. We're going to get all the details about what's going to happen with this weather forecast heading into the weekend with Al Dutcher. We'll let Jason talk about the midday because I understand it's going to be some football action. And then we'll wrap it all up because it is Friday. It's time for our Big Iron Realty Fridays in the field. This week it's with Clay Patton. So we're going to learn more about some, some corn that's growing in his area. All right. Very good. Thank you, Susan. I appreciate it little bit of a delay. I think she was in Fallujah, actually. <laughs> not, not a strong yes, data signal today. It didn't did, uh, go so fast. So anyway, Jason, in here, that is his voice. And uh, and Susan alluded to it. You get to talk to a little uh, Husker, or Husker Land prep this afternoon. Yeah, we'll uh, hear from Bob Jensen. Uh, we'll get Bob's take on classes a and B. Mm. You know, when you have Bob on and you have six minutes, that that does that, not do the man justice. <laughs> so we'll we'll do this in parts. We need to we need to just cut out a whole afternoon for Bob. Uh, love talking to him. We've enjoyed having him on over Absolutely. the years. You you talk to Bob and, and this is inside baseball, but you talk to Bob and you're like, Okay, we're aiming for six and a half, seven minutes. You get done and it's fifteen. <laughs> And then he says, were we close? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But it's good stuff. So we are going to Absolutely. cut that up as we lead up to the uh, high school football season, which is just around the mm. corner, which is coming up for a lot of folks on August 30th or right thereabouts. Also, the uh, Huskers continue on with their preseason workouts. It sounds like the, uh, the running back situation will be a strength this <laughs> year. Uh, all kind of depends on how many games uh, Mr. Washington ends up missing. Be nice if the wheels of justice moved a little faster in California, but that's his own fault for getting in trouble with his with his cell phone. Yeah, yeah, that's too bad. But boy, it sounds like he's really done well. So and Dedrick Mills has been the real thing, the uh, junior college transfer from Garden City. So uh, we'll hear about the Huskers coming up in sports. All right, thank you very much, Jason. We turn it over to Bob. Boy, what a roller coaster week it's been on stock markets. How is it going today, Bob? Well, they're using the word wild to describe the week, and that. Maybe that's not even enough, but uh, stocks are a little bit higher at the end of this week, but they're still heading for their third losing week in a row. Technology companies and banks are doing their best in midday trading today. Home construction is uh, took a little bit of a dive off the diving board, and uh, Deer is cutting its profit expectations. That's kind of the shape of uh, the business world right now. All right, that's all coming up on Midday. 
grain markets mostly higher. Dewey Nelson on the World Radio Network. And Time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. And uh, Paul Perkins in here with us to hopefully uh, give us some some good news. We had a few thunderstorms kind of... or was, showers work their way through earlier this morning again yes and still a little bit of that activity is still showing up on radar right now a little bit to the northeast of grand island in between fullerton and central city maybe some pockets of very light rain or just some sprinkles just to the east and southeast of fairbury on into northeast kansas but pretty much all of the rain has come to an end across our area for the time being it looks like though uh tonight could be interesting especially for our neighbors of the south and west exactly yeah western nebraska and also into northeast colorado and much of kansas in at least a slight risk of severe storms and we do have an enhanced risk of severe storms in eastern kansas from manhattan and emporia on towards about the kansas city area so higher risk for thunderstorms that will be severe there but in nebraska it looks like the severe threat for the most part down on the low side, at least from the west central to the eastern areas. That's good news. Well, have a good weekend, Dave. Exactly, and it will be gradually quieting down over the next several days as we see a ridge of high pressure start to exert its force on our weather. Most of our temperatures right now low in mid-70s across the area. We do still have some upper 60s towards Broken Bow and Ord where there's some, in, some cloud cover hanging on. More scattered thunderstorms remain possible all the way through tonight as we see those disturbances track to the southeast. The better chances for tonight will be along a stalled front in northern Kansas into northeastern Colorado. Some of the storms could be severe, especially if you're in western Nebraska, extreme southwest Nebraska, all of northeast Colorado, and then all over, pretty much all of Kansas, the pretty much the northern two-thirds of Kansas, and a slight risk of severe storms. And once again, that enhanced risk in eastern Kansas from Manhattan and Poria and points to the east. Otherwise, some sunny to partly cloudy skies today and temperatures seasonal to slightly cooler than normal. After a mainly dry and sunny day tomorrow, we could see a few thunderstorms by tomorrow night as a disturbance rounds the base of some low pressure that's passing over Canada. So we'll be on the southern extent of that area of low pressure, and that may kick in a few disturbances and some few thunderstorms. But all in all, mainly quiet for the weekend. Ridge of high pressure starts to build north from the southern plains, and that will lead to warmer than normal temperatures and drier weather for the early part of next week. As that ridge pushes to the east by the middle of next week, this temperature is a little closer to seasonal with some off-and-on thunderstorm chances. Our long-term forecast for Nebraska and Kansas holds on to at least slightly warmer than normal temperatures for Wednesday through August 29th. The rainfall look predicts near normal to below normal rainfall Wednesday through the 29th for Nebraska and Kansas. A better chance for the drier weather in Kansas, the middle to late part of next week. Yesterday we told you next month is likely to be near normal on temperatures and near normal to slightly above normal on rainfall in Nebraska and Kansas. For the fall months, in September, October, November, that outlook indicates a likelihood for warmer than normal temperatures in Nebraska, Kansas, and the entire nation. All of the U.S. expecting warmer than normal temperatures during the fall months, September, October, and November. Nebraska in September, October, and November likely to see slightly above normal precipitation, near normal precipitation expected in Kansas. Key weather factors in the market include a variable chance for rain in the drier eastern Midwest. Very cool conditions in the Canadian prairies. Next several days, locally heavy rain will affect the Midwest and the lower southeast. The northern and central plains into the northeast also receiving occasional rain. Mostly dry and hot weather will prevail into early next week in the southern plains. One-third of the rangeland in Texas rated very poor to poor right now. Lingering cool weather should be mostly limited 
to the northernmost plains. Some recently dry areas of the southern and eastern Midwest may only see some minor rain benefit for their crops. Very low temperatures in the northern plains through the weekend will keep crop progress very slow. It may interfere with spring wheat harvest that's well behind the average pace. In the Canadian prairies, the crop development remains very behind normal, and crops are vulnerable to a frost. There is an even slight risk for some frost in central and north Alberta over the weekend. We were, that time of the year. Yeah, it is. It is. We were, we were talking, we've been talking the last couple of days about a, a drier and hotter forecast, but I look into it, it looks like there is some rain. Is that, are we backing off a little bit on that? Yeah, I think that ridge is going to give away a little bit sooner than they expected. Um, long-term forecast, they're still holding on at least a warmer than normal temperatures, but it's mainly slightly above mm-hmm. normal for us. And not a really big heat spell on the way. Just those temperatures up around 90 as we head towards about Monday and Tuesday. Okay, very good. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? KRBN.com. You're listening to Midday with Scott Foster here on KRBN. Again, this week we visit with Nebraska Extension agricultural climatologist Al Dutcher. I'm Shaylee Peters on the Rural Radio Network, and Al, a bit cooler across part of the state um, this week. Also, parts of the state seeing rain, and even more than that, can we expect this? Or what's in the forecast as we head into this weekend and next week? Well, we do have opportunities for precipitation over the next couple of days as we see a shortwave movement across the northern plains and another smaller embedded short wave in the middle layers of the atmosphere that will be moving across northern Kansas. And so as that trough moves across the northern plains, it's going to push a cold front <laughs> excuse me, into our region, which should generate thunderstorm activity. And the most likely area for precipitation breakout will be essentially across the northern half of the state during the overnight hours. And that should progress toward the southeast and pretty much exit most of the state as we get into the midday hours. However, there are some signs by the models that another short wave will move through northern Kansas as it tries to lift that air mass back as a warm front, and that may generate some thunderstorm activity in east central and southeast Nebraska. Whether or not we get that pushing much farther to the north of Omaha remains an open-ended question, and that's the area still concentrating on that. Even though we did get good precipitation coverage for most regions of the state during last weekend and off and on this week, that's a region of the state that really come in lower in terms of precipitation totals. And, of course, that was the abnormally dry area depicted on the drought monitor, which shrunk at about 50% of that total area in this latest edition. Um, still showing deficits in some of those core areas of 3 to 4 inches. So the temperature forecast going forward really becomes important because as we get into uh, tomorrow, we start to see the warmth returning into the extreme western Nebraska. That builds much farther toward the east on Sunday, even though eastern Nebraska will still remain fairly much on the cooler side of the equation, we're still going to be well into the 80s. And then on Monday, the heat really starts to invade most of the central United States as the ridge to our south builds toward the north and brings in very sticky, humid air. So we'd be looking at upper 80s to possibly low 90s across extreme northern Nebraska, probably the low to mid 90s across southern Nebraska. And on Tuesday, it looks to be at this point from the models the warmest day of the week. We may actually touch the upper 90s in the southwestern and south-central part of the state, depending on the amount of sunshine we get. But we're looking at widespread mid-90s across the south and low-90s across the north. 
Then we start to see a cold front starting to move in from the Dakotas, and that's expected to arrive across northern Nebraska sometime late Tuesday at night or in the early morning hours on Wednesday, and then start to pull through eastern Nebraska, giving a fairly decent shot of moisture, at least across the eastern half of the state. The western half of the state looks to be too far west of the main precipitation band. And then as we see that a cool down, slight cool down as we go into the day on Thursday across the eastern Nebraska, that warmth tries to rebuild once again across western Nebraska. So what we will deal with in eastern Nebraska is the models hinting at potential for what we call ridge runners coming down the front side of that ridge and impacting the Missouri River Valley on Thursday night and potentially another one on Friday not nearly as robust. And that one looks like it will have more of an impact from Omaha southward. Then we do see another system coming across the northern plains, but it keeps the cool air just to the north of us. It looks like we will keep the warm conditions in until around the 25th to the 27th, and then the models start to change for the worst. Okay, thanks, Al. It's Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. You can find more from his forecast at RuralRadio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. I'm Dewey Nelson inviting you to take a productive visit to KRVN Cattlemen. 100% beef-oriented, KRVN Cattlemen brings you expertise from across the plains in audio and video spotlights featuring industry innovators. Handy Nebraska and Kansas cattle resources, including the inventory, cattle on feed, and slaughter numbers you need, plus hay reports for five states. You'll find a complete directory of upcoming auctions and private treaty sales. Click on the link for KRVN Cattlemen on the right front column of the homepage at krvn.com. It is time for us to take a look at sports. Jason Jorgensen back in studio with me. And uh, we're about to get really busy. After kind of a lull in sports a little bit, things are going to ratchet up in a hurry, aren't they? Yeah, well, fall camp is underway, and first softball game will be next Friday night that you'll have the call on. Yep, Lexington yep. takes on Scott's Bluff, so... It's just about here. Oh, boy. It's going to be crazy. The Huskers are past the halfway point of fall camp. Yesterday, offensive coordinator Troy Walters was asked about his backfield with Maurice Washington and newcomer Dedrick Mills leading the way. And uh, But Mills is a downhill. You know, when, when defenses get tired, he's going to break some tackles and uh, and get extra yards. And Mo is Mo, you know, explosive and dynamic and and then you add Ramirez and some of the other guys, and Wandale at running back, and we feel pretty good about that position. The Huskers worked out again this morning, and they will practice again tomorrow before taking Sunday off. All of the things the Kansas City Chiefs wanted to accomplish during their three-week getaway to training camp at Missouri Western, returning home with everyone healthy, probably topped the list. Not only did they accomplish that, they actually improved their roster depth. Now the trick is to remain healthy while preparing for the regular season back in Kansas City. Chiefs play tomorrow in a preseason game as they take on the Steelers. McCook Community College softball coach Josh Barnes has resigned to take a new post to lead the softball program at Angelina College in Texas. Barnes was at MCC for three seasons and worked as enrollment coach as well. After a 22 and 38 mark in his first year, the Lady Indians improved to 29 and 25 in 2018, and this past year they were 29 to 33. Assistant coach Katie Ackerman will take over as the program's interim coach. Did you see any of the video of Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s playing? Yes. Oh, that was freaky. Oh. Uh, he's going to take the weekend off from broadcasting to be with his wife and daughter after the plane they were in crash landed yesterday 
near Bristol Motor Speedway. The 44-year-old television analyst and retired NASCAR driver was taken to the hospital for evaluation. The FFA said the Cessna that he was in rolled off the end of the runway and caught fire. Maybe it's like everything else at Bristol. They weren't going real fast. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but wow. that, that could have turned out oh. just been terrible. Oh. And I don't know what to think about this, but Tennessee is the latest SEC school to sell alcoholic beverages at upcoming home football games. School officials say alcohol sales will begin with a second home game against Brigham Young, (laughs) oddly, ironically enough. Uh, SEC chancellors and school presidents voted in May to give league members the option of selling beer and wine in public areas during sporting events. Tennessee joins Arkansas, LSU, Missouri, Texas A&M, and Vanderbilt in going ahead and doing that. And according to uh, Nebraska, it's coming. It is coming. I I think that's the wave. And like I said, mm-hmm. I I don't know what to think about that. Well, you know, Colorado did that for for a lot of years, and then the football players always talk about getting pelted with uh, beer bottles and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how. Well, I guess just a slippery slope. I think you're right. I think you're right. We'll see. That's Check Sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgens. Thanks, Jason. An Omaha police helicopter has crashed at the Blair Airport, where it's based. Omaha Deputy Police Chief Kerry Newman says two pilots on board suffered minor injuries, but they were taken to a hospital to be checked. They were identified as Matt Bauman and Brian Jungfam. The crash cause is being investigated. The heavily damaged aircraft ended up lying on one side, its tail rotor missing on a stretch of concrete. The crash leaves the Omaha force with but one helicopter to deploy. Police moved the two helicopters to the Blair Airport last month. A former speaker of the Nebraska legislature is looking to return to his old seat, Mike Flood of Norfolk announced his candidacy for the District 19 seat representing all of Madison County and a part of Stanton County. During his first two terms in office, Flood helped broker compromises in the legislature on the Keystone XL pipeline and legislation to overhaul a state labor relations commission. Flood is an attorney and owns a chain of radio stations. Nebraska State Fair officials are preparing plans for shuttles and other alternatives forced by recent rains that have softened up grass parking lots at Fawner Park in Grand Island. Fair Executive Director Lori Cox says she's trying to reserve large paved lots throughout Grand Island that could provide additional parking. Shuttle pickup locations will be set up across the city, and the fair shuttle provider would use more vehicles. The fair experienced the same wet problem in 2014 when rain turned the grass lots into temporary lakes and caused minor flooding on the fairgrounds. This year's fair opens August 23rd and runs through September 2nd. The U.S. Geological Survey says an earthquake shook parts of Kansas near Hutchinson. The earthquake occurred this morning with an epicenter about three miles from Hutchinson. The federal agency says the earthquake registered at 4.2 magnitude. There were no immediate reports of major damage or injuries. Kansas is canceling a grant with a company that administers an early literacy program for public school children after an audit found the company received millions of dollars it wasn't entitled to during former Governor Sam Brownback's administration. The Kansas Department for Children and Families announced it was ending the contract with Heisel and Wagner, which operated the Kansas Reading Roadmap Program. 
For the next academic year, the agency will directly fund schools planning to offer the program. Auditors found Heisel and Wagner claimed nearly $2.3 million it should not have received. The agency said in a news release the audit that uncovered the incorrect payments began during Brownback's administration but was never finalized or released. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. Jason Jorgensen on the Rural Radio Network. Well, the upcoming high school football season is just ahead of us. Time today to talk classes A and B with Bob Jensen of the Huskerland Prep Report. Bob, thanks a lot for the time. Uh, we're just a couple weeks away. You, you ready for this thing to get started? That'd be good, Jason. It's always good to be on the blowtorch. Uh, always good to catch up to you, my friend. Um, yeah, I'm like like you got a little itch. I'm ready to. I'm. I, I, I'm. I tell you what. I'm definitely tired of talking about it. Except for this, of course. Uh, let's let's go play some games. Your preseason preview is out. I know you put a lot of time and work into that as you crisscross the state this time around and hit all four corners of our beloved Cornusker State. What jumped out to you this time around? Class A. You know, it's not always true. I mean, let's face it, you know, our very best individual football players and teams, for that matter, are almost always in Class A, but uh, the depth of Class A this year, and not just in terms of quality teams, because a lot of our traditional powerhouses are kind of at the height of their powers. Uh, you've also got some uh, some schools that maybe you don't think of as traditional semifinalists, finalists, that kind of thing, that have... Uh, Found their way into the mix, and then we've just we've we've had a glorious number of Division One football players. I mean, we've got a lot of kids that are going to be signing Division One uh, letters of intent next uh, next winter, and so you know you add that up, and uh, you know it, it doesn't hurt that Lincoln Southeast is going to be really good. We you know we've got them uh, we've got them rated sixth, but honestly, they'll be in the hunt. They'll be in the hunt to win the whole thing. And, Lincoln hasn't had a football team for a while now that's been able to say that, but those guys, the Knights are legit, and they could very well wind up in the state final. It's always nice to have some new teams and some new blood in there, but Blue Bloods are also great, and as you mentioned, when those type of programs are good, it just seems to make things better for everybody. I, I, I think you got to find a mix, absolutely. I think you're right on both counts. I mean, as you know, Great teams, you know, like them or not like them, uh, you know, they, you know, when they show up in town, there's an extra, there's a little buzz that goes through town. And it don't matter if that town is Harvard or if that town is Bellevue. I mean, you, you got, uh, you know, you got somebody good coming to town. Uh, you got a chance to make a little history. That's kind of fun. Bob, what can Grand Island do to follow up that wonderful run they had last year that led to the uh, state runner up finish? <laughs> well, uh, you're asking a guy who didn't rate him last year, uh, Jason. So that may be the end of this interview. But but no, exactly. What do I know? What I do know is this: that you can never, you should never ever, uh, you should never ever discount or underestimate a Jeff Tomlin team because Jeff Tomlin's Grand Island teams only know one way to play, and that is to be tough and physical and do things the right way. And they got hot. I mean, after they got beat by Lincoln Southwest last year, I think it was in week eight. You know, you, you know Southwest was a good football team. Uh, I don't know that it was a great football team, but it was a good football team. But still, that uh, they kind of got handled. But after that, I was there the night they rallied to beat Omaha North, defending champion Omaha North in the in the first round. And uh, 
they looked awfully good that night, and uh, you know they just uh, they got beat by a great team in the finals. That's what it was going to take to stop them, and uh, they're going to be good. Carney's going to be good. Um, you know the Western Class A teams, uh, both of them we got in the top ten. Um, I wouldn't doubt but what both of them will win a playoff game this fall. Today we're joined by Bob Jensen of the Huskerland Prep Report as we take a look at classes A and B in Nebraska football. Okay, Bobby, you just gave us a lowdown on Class A. Do you see things changing much in Class B this year? I tell you what, this is an unusual year for Class B. Of course, Class B is an unusual class right now with 23 schools. That's just I'm not a real big fan of that. But bottom line is, Scott is just so much better than than anybody else. Really, I mean they. Uh, uh, they're going to be better than they were last year when they were undefeated. And uh, they've got such tremendous depth. Their defense is just going to be amazing. And, uh, you know, you get after that, you get Scott Spolaffer on Colin McCook. Uh, you know, York, York's going to take a step back. How can you not losing all that they did last year to graduation? Um, team to watch out for in Class B, Norris. Norris got a lot of people back. They had a coaching change, uh, Ty Twarling, who was, at Cross County, uh, and he, he takes over down there. Uh, Ashton Hausman is uh, going to Nebraska as a preferred walk-on uh, at running back. Um, I don't know, Norris has, Norris has been in a state final or two. They were in one in, uh, just a couple of years ago. And um, I, I think they'll be as, uh, if there is such a thing as a true surprise team in B, that would be them. Bob, your preseason book is available. If anyone is listening today, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you and to get their hands on your preseason preview? Well, probably the best way would be call the old Huskerland Hotline, as we like to call it. Uh, actually, we've never called it that, but I thought it'd be kind of funny well, to say. Ladies in the field, I'm Clay Patton. I return to the Olson family farm south of Minden and find out that the seed corn field we're following is in the tasseling stage. That means for farmer Steve Olson, it's detasseling time for the female plants. We're at the point of detasseling. The machines have cut the tassels off. Then another machine comes in and pulls the majority of tassels, and then kids take the remaining tassels off the females. The male, of course, is tassels still there, and we're hoping that those coordinate, and the timing is pretty good on the male and the female. The silk's coming out when the pollen's out there to shed that, that pollen. As with any crop, pollination is one of the most critical development stages in the crop. Olson likes where this crop is going into pollination. The timing is important, but we've actually had pretty ideal weather right here. We sh our pollination should be pretty good at this time. We've had some rain. Our irrigation is kept up. So uh, we're hoping for, for good results on the pollination. While the weather has returned to a more mild state recently, Olson says he closely monitored soil moisture just a few weeks ago when temperatures soared when temperatures soared and moisture dried up. We had that week of 100 degrees that uh, probably took a little bit of the toll on the seed. It's the, the seed is not very vigorous. Those plants don't root down. So we have a little bit of an issue with drawing moisture. And so we throw a half inch of water on sometimes when normally you wouldn't have to. On the Olson family farm, soil health is a top priority. One of the ways they're improving their soil is the use of cover crops. Since our last visit, Steve has rolled the combines and harvested the wheat that was left to mature on the buffer strips and the corners. Some of the wheat obviously was a cash crop. We took it to the elevator. We saved some of it back for the cover crop. We get that cleaned. We try to take the very best areas 
you know, we're trying to keep the weeds out of this this as much as we can, and then we get it cleaned. and And we had good yields on on wheat. Wheat is one of my base cover crops. I mean, we add things to the wheat, but it's the basic cover crop. While harvest is still a few months out, Olson is already thinking of soil tests to see where nutrient levels are after harvest. Most of our soil testing is done in the fall after the harvest, and typically you try to do that the same time every year, whether it's in the fall or in the spring. We'll test for nitrates and different things. We'll take a deep sample, 36 inches, and then again we'll take a 12-inch sample and work from there. The Olson family farm is also in its transition stage with Steve's son-in-law, Brock Emery, coming back to the family farm. In our last segment, Brock mentioned how he feels comfortable to ask any question of Steve about the farm. Steve this week relays that it's also important for him to listen to Brock's ideas about farm management. Because I've done it for a lot of years, most of my ideas are the conservative approach on things. The young people, and I think I was that way when I first started, are thinking outside the box. I just really enjoy listening to what they're saying because I know we can do it a lot of different ways as long as I embrace different ways of doing things and, and allow that to happen, I think it, the transition moves a lot easier that way than this is the way I've done it, this is the way it has to be done. You, that's not going to work, I don't think. There's always a lot of different ways of doing things. We'll see how the growing degree days hold out, and we may just be on a combine harvesting this 2019 seed corn crop on the Olson family farm in our next segment. This has been Big Iron Realty's Fridays in the Field. Grain markets closed higher today, led by the corn. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. And we're joined by John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. So you could attribute the corn rallying today because the losses were overdone this week? Oh, I think so. I mean, we saw some spark selling in the livestock late in the day as the grains picked up. 380 was a you've read my newsletter, that's kind of the level we needed to get over, in my opinion, to kind of withhold the low here short term. I think we're going to be in an area now between, we'll call it, here and four bucks, maybe even a little bit in the mid 390s that I think we're going to have a hard time getting through on the upside. Uh, I understand that the yields are, um, you know, they're likely to come down, but there's a lot of grain out there that needs to clear. So I encourage everybody, don't get bullish on the rallies. Let the market rally here, uh, you know, look to price. You know, we're still 50 cents away uh, above where we were a year ago at this time. You know, basis is strong right now out east, but we're seeing ethanol margins really tight. Bolero's closing plants out, out in Indiana, and uh, I think demand has to be really worrisome, especially on a rally. So while uh, the uncertainty in supply is there, you're going to get decent prices. Once you know the certainty, once, it's, once that is all known and we're mid, mid-December, mid uh, if, if, if this is where the USDA has it, I have a feeling we'll be a lot lower than this. What do you make of soybeans here, too? You said... Uh earlier that uh, we've got some target prices here? Yeah, I mean, I think we should see beans leading this. I'm a little surprised that the feed grains are, are marching higher. I think that maybe was why I'm, I'm a little more bearish going home this week on a good day. Uh, you know, beans, a tough for lows, but, um, you know, they should be trading better, in my opinion. If this was a really snapback rally, if the trade didn't believe the USDA, I think they would be leaning towards the soybean markets, uh, given the report we got. Yields are probably more, I guess, uncertain on beans than they are on corn at this point, at least from where I sit. And, um, you know, demand, I mean, we're 90 cents under Brazil. So if, if I was buying something, I think actually beans would be the better buy. Uh, corn obviously has more um, 
more of a story here, given the, given the yield and then the the, uh, the non-belief of what the USDA said. The crop tours next week will probably show some of that, but I still am I'm skeptical, Bear, uh, until until the spreads come in. You know, demand is still a question mark in my opinion. Is it a good sign that Kansas City wheat gained on Chicago and Minneapolis? Well, I think it's a sign that the you know the market is starting to bottom. Uh, KC wheat really, I mean, it doesn't have anywhere to go. You look at the, the the secondary contract. So right now we're front month in September. December would be the second month. When you see that second month go down to four bucks, that's usually a good opportunity to buy it. We saw it the last two days, and now we're up a nickel. Thanks, John. John Payne. Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. And you can always go to their website for more information, danielsagmarketing.com. Dewey Nelson reporting. And that will do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on krvn.com.